0: You're listening to The Urban Path, a journey into permaculture. Julian Sharp is currently running half day shiitake growing workshops around WA Southwest. Recently, Julian ran a workshop in Bridgetown and we managed to grab him to record an interview. During the interview, we got off the topic of mushrooms and onto land care, so he thought it would be a better idea to create a second podcast. I asked him what inspired him to get involved in land care. started out uh, when I first moved to the southwest. I uh, couldn't believe the amount of clear filling of forest that I saw, and I sort of thought to myself, well, that can't be a good thing. Um, so I guess it stems from there, but um, in more recent times, I've become involved in um, the land care movement, not so much the for- well, forest conservation to start with, and then. Um, uh, broadening out into sort of more general land care um, activity. Um, I'm a member of the Warren Catchments Council, which is a group based in Manjimup. Um, we do a lot of uh, various uh, land care projects throughout the region. Some of the most recent ones have been uh, the Warren and Donnelly River Restoration and Biodiversity Program, which has seen us uh, um, get funding of $3 million to um, Revegetate uh, sections of the Warren and Donnelly River with about 600,000 plus uh, native seedlings, and the eradication of um, blackberry uh, through uh, biological control methods. So that's one of our sort of standout projects. We're into f- uh, feral pig control, um, biochar, um, soil improvement projects, uh, dung beetle projects uh, combined with biochar. Um, research and trials. Um, And some other sort of stemming from that in more recent times is um, a concern with um, mining and gas fracking in this region. Um, Gas fracking poses a huge threat, I believe, to to the southwest region um, in terms of um, communities' health, water resource uh, security, land... Security, food producing security, food production, um, and also bauxite mining um, is also posing a fairly significant threat to this region. Uh, over the last uh, five years, we've challenged uh, three exploration-slash-mining companies uh, in the Mining Wardens Court uh, that wanted exploration licences for bauxite exploration, and potential bauxite mining in the southwest, we've challenged three companies and we've beaten those three companies in the warden's court. Um, How do you fund that? I mean, they must have pretty good resources. These companies. How do you fight them in court? Do you... No, we we just went as self-represented. We never employed any lawyers or anything like that. Hmm. And um, you know, the warden, which is a is, is a magistrate, is a the warden, has found in favour of us on three occasions now. Um, that it's not, basically it's not in the public interest uh, for bauxite exploration and mining to happen in this region as it will impact, uh, have significant environmental impacts as well as significant impacts on existing rural industries such as, you know, farming and horticulture mm. and impacts on, um, you know, finite uh, water resources which is a major issue. Uh, this is the food bowl of the southwest, as we keep, being told, and and it is, you know, the, the government through royalties for regions um, have put a lot of money into the management region with the agricultural expansion project and the Southern Forest Food Council, which has done sort of significant work in um, um, raising the profile of uh, the green, clean and green food production region in the southwest here. Now, to my mind, we can't, you know, mining. And food production, and especially gas fracking, mining, and food production, I don't believe can coexist. Uh, I've spoken with uh, various politicians uh, who represent this region, and they seem to think it can coexist. But uh, to my mind, it's pretty obvious that it can't. Uh, we grow food here. We're not we're not a mining community. We're not a, certainly not a gas fracking community. Um, and there is major uh, community opposition to gas fracking, especially in this region. There's major concern and um, you know that's coming to the fore now I think uh, the politicians and decision makers are getting a pretty clear message that we don't want that happening here so. and it's been stopped in other parts of the country so that must uh, give you something positive to hope for well the eastern states for example they've been fighting for quite a long time now uh, through an organisation called Lock the Gate Now, mm. uh, Lock the Gate have been here in WA for about a year now and um, yes you're, you're right the, in the eastern states it's taken a lot of Community effort and a lot of actual physically, um, you know, stopping um, mining activities, gas fracking activities. Uh, so yes, there is a lot of heart to be taken from mm. what's been achieved in the eastern states. But uh, and the irony of that is they've, they've stopped them there, so the companies have moved over here. <laughs> well, yeah, they've they've got leases here now, mm. and they're doing they're trying to do some exploratory drilling. Um, There's a company called Bunbury Energy, which apparently is a Chinese-owned company. used to be called Unconventional Resources, but uh, apparently they thought that was not a very appropriate name, so they changed it to Bunbury Energy. Um, Yeah, but uh, the the communities here, Margaret River, Busselton, Capel, Boyanup, Dardenup, uh, Nanup, you know, there's major opposition to it, and um, I can't really see it happening. I mean, uh, as I said, I've spoken with politicians and... Basically, you know, the politicians need to be on the right side of history because uh, they need to listen to what the people of this community want and what they don't want. Mm. Mm. So what's been your best win? Uh, in terms of um, bauxite mining, we've, we've only challenged bauxite applications and the first one was a company called Bauxite Resources um, and they wanted uh, three leases in between Bridgetown and Manjimup covering an area of, I think about, from memory now it's about 10,000 hectares, mainly forested area but also some farmland. Um, That was a significant win in that um, it has been described as the most significant environmental administrative decision in 40 years in Western Australian sort of environmental history. Um, And that has set a precedent now. Um, you know, for the public interest to be taken into account and also the impact, environmental impact and social and economic impact on existing communities and rural industry as well. So it's quite significant. That's great. So it's not just... uh, It hasn't just changed that one fight. It's spread to the whole... The way they're assessing everything now. They're taking... Uh, Yes, well, as I said, it's set that precedent. So... um, that was the first case we took. Now the, the the other the subsequent two cases both referred back to that first case, which set the precedent, mm. um, basically to take into account the public interest, which was never really taken into account, and also that um, there was a um, a sort of a. Preconception in, in, in the mining industry in Western Australia that once you've got an exploration license, it's pretty much just automatic conversion to a mining license. Now that is not the case anymore. It's not they can't presume that they will automatically get a mining license because they have an exploration license. Um, so that's sort of um, changed the whole dynamic as well. Mm. Mining companies just can't walk in and expect look, we found some bauxite, where's the rubber stamp, where's our mining licences? It doesn't work like that anymore. So, so it's, yeah, like it's it's left a legacy. So yeah, I guess so, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I, I'm imagining you've probably seen some of the dirty tricks up close too from the companies. Oh, not really. Are yeah, they play uh, fair? Yeah, it's been pretty straightforward. There's been no acrimonious sort of, uh, you know, debate or anything like that. We just go and present our case and the companies present their case and... And, um, you know, it's all quite amicable and, uh, you know, um, we, we all abide by the umpire's decision. I mean, the companies can... What, what the warden does, the warden recommends to the minister whether to grant or not grant an exploration licence. Now, the minister of mines and petroleum, he can override whatever the warden said. If the minister thinks... You know, decides. Oh, the warden said you can't have a. Uh, I don't recommend an expiration license. The minister can, can just overturn that and say, "Here's your expiration license." But in general, in 95% of the, uh, of cases, the minister abides by the warden's recommendation. So, um, bauxite resources they actually appealed the warden's decision, and they um, employed a QC to um, challenge the warden's decision. But the warden's decision still uh, stayed in place and that exploration licence wasn't granted. Oh, that's great, that's great. And so um, any more projects bubbling on the horizon or are you spending all your time with mushrooms here? <laughs> no, there's always something on the horizon, but uh, I think gas fracking's a, uh, a yeah. major thing that we need to be concerned about in this region. And, um, you know, it's something uh, not to take lightly. It's gonna, it will pose si- serious and significant uh, uh, implications to this region so I think people really need to wake up to what is happening around here and uh, and um, you know stand up and if you don't agree with it, let people know Good on you Julian, thanks very much for that No worries, thank you